Welcome back to Buffy Boyfriends. We're boyfriends watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm Sam. I'm Mike. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Mike, how the heck you doing? I'm good. You know, I feel like the the recording weeks are off from the weeks that this gets released. Mm-hmm. So everything I say is going to be very out of date by the time you listen to this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, things are good. It's been a good weekend. Um, I feel like it's taken everybody about a month to get over the holiday hangover, um, including me. And I'm feeling like my life feels more regimented and normal than normal. It's good. Right at the end of January. Exactly. I mean, January isn't really a real month. Just mm. like the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas or or other December holidays that you celebrate doesn't really count. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like it's been an, a great week since our previous record. Uh, you know, I had literally a perfect day yesterday. Fully, I was reganning from Friday after work until this morning on on a Sunday. So it was perfect. Uh, reganing is a 30 Rock reference. It's for when you do everything correct in a 24-hour period. And I did it for longer than 24 hours. It was an amazing, amazing weekend. Just like Ronald Reagan. Yeah. I am out of my Reaganing period. I have had, there's been, it, it has ended. But um, <laughs> it was a beautiful, beautiful Saturday with Friday as a start. Okay, well, tell the listeners sure. what, what made everything so Reagan-like. <laughs> we went to Drag Race with Matt, and then we... When I came home, I woke up, I went on a run, I uh, saw my cousin, and I talked to my parents, and I talked to Joe, and I uh, wrote at the library, and then I went to an improv class, and then I went to a very funny comedy show last night, Ian Lockwood's Boyfriend Pageant that you were also at. True. That, I mean, that's a, a great list of Reaganomics right there. Yeah. And then I got up this morning and ran 11 miles. So, you know, it's pretty, okay. thriving. thriving. He, he had to slip that one in there. <laughs> but, that was my, but that was the beginning of the downfall of my Reagan era because I missed a turn. And so I got so far off course that I, I left to run 10 miles. And then I had to run an extra one because <laughs> I was like so far away from where I needed to be at home. Okay. So Reagan doesn't like uh, wrong turns on the race course. No. Um, but otherwise, we saw Hades Town this week. True, we did do that, and I, I feel like that happened. And last night, I was trying to tell our friend who we were at the show with, like, what I had done all week, and for some reason, I could not remember what we had done. I knew there was like this big blank spot in my mind of like, I, I know I did something this week. I know I like went out to an event. I didn't just sit at home all week. Um, but so so Olivia, if you're listening to this, we went to Hades Town last week, and that was one of our big highlights of the week. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry I didn't uh, tell you about it last night. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she hears. Uh, and we also, I mean, my co- my roommate threw a party here, and we watched the 1991 Oscars ceremony. So it was pretty packed, honestly. Yeah, and it was pretty relevant to today. Lots yeah. of jokes in 1991 that, that landed in 2023. It kind of had a lot of new meaning that it was not intended <laughs> with, but you know, the mean it was, it was a multi-era text. Yeah. Um, well, we're here primarily today to talk about Buffy season two, episode three, school hard, um, which, you know, is just die hard, uh, which I've not seen, but I, I, that is the reference, and I didn't understand that until today while I was looking up stuff about the episode. Whoa. I've also never seen Die Hard, but it is, I, I have like a list of 
historical movies that I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually like what your roommate Kevin did last year around like Halloween, October time. He did like horror, scary movies that he had never seen, but during October. So maybe next holiday season, we'll watch Die Hard. Because mm, it a is Christmas. technically a Christmas movie. Yeah. As is the thing. Uh, this episode, the story was by, and I I, I recognize this is not what's on the screen, but the story was by Joss Whedon and David Greenwald, and the teleplay was by David Greenwald. These are the two executive producers of the show. Uh, they, they did a similar version of this little one-two punch on the episode Nightmares in season one. I would say that they did a better job here than in that one. Yeah, I I think so. I'll give it to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode was directed by John T. Kretschmer. Uh, this is his second of two Buffy credits. Unfortunately, he will be leaving us. Uh, he did the second half of the season one premiere, <laughs> which w- was strange to me. It's like, why wasn't it the same person? Um, but he seems like a very busy working director. He's done one and two off little jaunts on various shows, but also did longer runs on Charmed, Veronica Mars, Army Wives, and White Collar. He seems very successful. He did a couple episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Love working in that title anytime I can. Um, and this episode is very important because it is an introduce is it, it it introduces us to Spike and Drusilla. Uh, and for our IMDb deep dive today, we're talking about both those actors, James Marsters, who plays Spike. Uh, this is his number one role on IMDb. The other ones that he's sort of known for are, you know, playing Piccolo in the American version of the Dragon Ball Z live action movie. We've never really talked about Dragon Ball Z. Do you have any relation to that? I know there's like an orange jumpsuit, and that is about all I've got. That's, you know, that's all you need. Uh, And then he's also in The Runaways on Hulu, which is a pretty good teen show. It's by the person who did The O.C., but it's a Marvel show about, like, teenagers whose parents are evil, but they are good. I feel like I have, like, heard of slash seen that. That's good. Um, Does he play one of the teens? He plays a dad of one of the teens. Mm. Um, And then Juliet Landau, who plays Drusilla, I feel like she's moved into more of a voice acting stage in her career, but uh, and she's done stuff in the DC universe and Ben 10 for anybody, any Ben 10 heads out there like myself. Uh, and But recently she's done a role in Vampire the Masquerade and she played a character named Cordelia on two episodes of Claws. So Whoa. it feels like she's like really returning to her Buffy roots. People love that show too. Yes, true. Um, okay. We've done all the beginning stuff. Everything's out of the way. All of the ta- the table's been set. Why don't we bring our guest in so that she can chow down on the episode with us? Great idea. Awesome. Okay, so this is an incredible comedian. I've had the distinct honor to perform with her. Uh, she is a genius of all art forms. Um, she used to host a Glee podcast herself. She's on a house team at the Arcade Theater in Pittsburgh. Let's bring her in, Raina Deerwater. Hi. Wow. What a great intro. Thank you for having me. It's an Thanks honor to be here. here. Oh my gosh, stop. How are you? I'm good. Um, really good. I liked hearing about your weekend. Um, Hades Town was so good. That is an important thing. Thank you for bringing that back up. I wanted to reference. We got some notes from a friend and listener, Christina Litovec, who said that she enjoyed the parts of the show where we talked about other things. <laughs> <laughs> so, wanted to start. Uh, you know, you know, using that we spend a lot of time together. Yeah, we like we like listener feedback. 
And sure. as as you can see, we will change the show based on your feedback. So keep sending it in. Mm -hmm. Wow, this is this is a, a podcast is audio joke, but like my cat's on the Zoom right now. Isn't he cute? This is Baz. Um, Hi, Baz. Baz is the fourth co-host. <laughs> yeah, he's special guest, genius comedian. Uh, loved loved working with uh, him. Mwah. Anyway, yeah. Great stuff. I listened to, I I was doing my research and I listened to season two, episode one, which is the last episode out as yeah. of the, this day of recording. <laughs> and I was like, she lied about Tar being on Peacock at that time um, because she did. She, Alex Conti call out post texted and was like, Tar is on Peacock and it wasn't. And then she said on your podcast, Tar is on Peacock and it wasn't, but it is Whoa. now. That's so fine. Wow. It's available now. I'm sorry. Our fact checkers didn't catch that yeah, one. Yeah, pretty messed up. Um, Come so, on, Baz. So, Reyna, what's your Buffy the Vampire Slayer journey? How did you get here today with us on this episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Um, it's actually it's kind of a long story, so buckle in. But so I didn't grow up with TV. Like we had like a TV and would watch like VHSs and DVDs. We didn't have like cable, like not even like PBS. Like we didn't have that. Uh, so I didn't start watching TV until... I was like a teenager and we had some DVDs of Gilmore Girls and I was like, this stuff is good. And then my sister's friend Connor was like, girl, you got to watch Buffy. So he lent her the DVDs of Buffy when she was like, I want to say like she was 15, I was 12. And then we watched it and we're like obsessed. So it was like one of the first like shows I ever watched and like made me love the medium of television. Um, and we watched it over the course of like several months, but our local dvd renter sorry baz is being annoying Baz, you gotta get out i'm telling my story about buffy but anyway our local dvd rental place had a thing that was like you get six dvds six dollars six days and so that's what we did like there was like a summer like i think the summer between like seventh and eighth grade i was we were binging buffy and i was obsessed i just like loved it like it became part of my personality um for when i was like 13 like, you know, I don't know if you've read, say, on the, the like, continuation Buffy comics, that was, a, there was one called Frey that was, like, set way in the future, and she had hair. I'm nodding, well, just for the listener, I'm nodding. Yeah, I, I he's know nodding. <laughs> Frey had dyed hair that went, was, like, an ombre from, like, a, a teal through, like, a blue, purple, and then pink at the ends, and when I was in eighth grade, I dyed my hair like that, because I thought that was so cool. Like, Whoa. I was deep into Buffy. I still excite it as one of my favorite shows of all time. I'm obsessed. I love her. Oh my god. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like whenever a guest runs through their Buffy history, I'm always like, this is just like how I talk about it. I'm like, Aww. I also feel like it's deeply seated in my DNA. And just like, uh, like you said, made me really, really love TV as a medium. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like a perfect television series. I think it's like, they don't make them like they used to it's like like it's each season has an arc but they're still standalone episodes like the characters you know them but they also have room to evolve it's like a perfect balance between like episodic and serial television and the writing just like is so snippy but like still heartfelt i don't know i just i love that bitch <laughs> same uh so talk to us about this episode specifically why now why this app um, I remember you sent a list and we're like, we're going to definitely go up to season two, episode three, because that's when you know. Um, and I agree that I think season two really gets going in this episode. I mean, like Spike and Drusilla showing up. Also, like the first two are just like a little 
you know, like they're just like, hey, remember these guys? Like, and it, it you, I think the groove of season two really starts in this episode. And it also is, I think Spike showing up like is huge because he's a very important character in this universe, but also because it's like season one was fun and campy, but then the plotty stuff with the master, like the master was just like not fun. He's not a fun guy. He's just there. But like, you're like, okay, when Spike shows up, you're like, okay, the season villains, kind of a spoiler, I'm so sorry, but like a more recurring character <laughs> who's evil can be fun and silly and fit tonally with the show in a way I don't think the master did. So I think it really gets some life in there and also introduces this like, which has kind of been simmering in the background, but I feel like Buffy's life at as a slayer versus like school and her mom is such a central theme of this episode and also a central theme of the show. And I just feel like it really encapsulates the show. Also, I too just learned it was a joke on Die Hard when I was listening to you guys talk. Uh, whoops, I've seen this episode like 10 times, never thought about it. I know, and but now that I thought about it, I'm like, even though I've never seen the movie, I do recognize all the tropes of Die Hard. Right, when they're like trapped and the axe is like trying to get them out, I'm like, I bet, and they, she sneaks through the ceiling. I'm like, I know that's in Die Hard. I too have never seen it. We're um, gay, what do you want from us? You referenced that like they're completely different from how the master was. And I feel like that is one of the issues of season one where the, like the, Spike and Drusilla are instantly involved in the emotional lives of the core cast members, which is something that was deeply missing from the master's whole thing. Thrilled they killed the anointed one, get him out of there. And they're just like, we are like, we have relationships with these people already. Like, let's go. Yeah. And I think the, um, when Spike was like the annoying one, I'm like, hell yeah, that was, uh, that was a great moment. Um, cause I was like, this kid needs to shut the fuck. Like he's, I'm over him. Um, and so that was really exciting for the end Definitely. of the episode when he's like, you know what? I don't want to deal with this kid. And also I think introduces like, I think a chaos of Spike and Drusilla that is also sort of like a theme of season two and the rest of the show is like, you might think you know where this is going, but you don't because they too are driven by like emotions. And so like, you're like, I don't like this guy. He's up in flame. Um, what could happen with the rest of the season? Oh my God, I don't know. And I mean, we don't like the anointed one either. So no, all right. I'm not even going to say it. No RIP to the anointed one. <laughs> yeah. um, you should have died in that car crash in season one and stayed dead. <laughs> and yeah. Raina, earlier you referenced something very important I should have mentioned at the top of the show. This is currently the final episode of the podcast that we are renewed through. Um, oh my god this <laughs> is at, and mike do not say anything until the end of the episode we that is when we will hear your final verdict wow. but as discussed in the intro episode we agreed to do the first 15 episodes of buffy vampire slayer and then mike would decide if he wants to continue podcasting um so don't say anything yet okay. but that's that's something see, oh in the background but you know we haven't really heard much about your thoughts overall on the episode right uh yet so yeah, what I are do, you thinking? i do feel like i've been set up by my producer um they they set uh, this deadline to decide if we're going to keep going forward and they uh, may or may not have picked uh, a good episode for us to make the decision on um, especially after I saw the log line for next week's episode this week's is a trip <laughs> but no this episode was great um, I think this is a common theme we have had over all of our season 2 episodes is like it seems like the characters are still you know, setting the tone for what the whole season is going to be, dealing with the aftermath of the season one finale, and sort of just 
clearing the decks of what worked and what didn't work. Like, I think the writers figured out pretty quickly that the master and his whole group of vampires was not clicking. And by the end of this episode, they're all killed off. The anointed one and all of his goons are gone. And Spike and Drusilla have moved into their little bronze layer. That's not the bronze. Um, <laughs> and they're fun. Set. Like they, they just bring like fun to just screen that the other vampires were not giving in season one. Um, and I, I do this all the time, but <laughs> I reference other vampire shows, but they like instantly reminded me of some of my favorite characters in other teen vampire soaps. Like the vampire diaries have characters exactly like these two who are sort of like introduced as villains, but you can tell that there's like some complexity to them and you're probably going to dig deeper. Um, True Blood's got these types of characters and they're the best. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to learning more about these two. Yeah, I think like vampires are like, they can be like hot and chaotic. You're like, oh, right. That's what I want my villain. I don't want someone with like a gross face who's who's serious all the time. Um, I want I want hot and chaotic. And Spike and Drew are the definition of that. Exactly. And I think one thing I really enjoy about vampire stories and vampire characters is like these are people that have been alive for hundreds of years if not longer and they're probably not going to be all all right upstairs like there's going to be some chaos they're going to be messy they're all going to have like interpersonal drama and relationships and spike and drusilla brought that um it seems like there is something more going on there and i was like i want to learn more about these two yeah, and they're just will. electric to me. It's like electric. From the... And you also like tie it into the emotional core with like, he has like, I've killed Slayers, I want to kill Slayer. And then they, I want to kill Slayers, but Miss Buffy. Um, and then there's that scene in the school, all the scenes are in the school, but there's with when Angel comes in and you're like, oh, they have history. Like they have her history. And like, that is just sort of like a, a little tease about what you're going to get. But immediately with Spike having this history with Angel, you're like, now he's has more emotional stakes in Buffy and like, how's that gonna play out? Like it's, and also like his choices are all based on emotion, which is like so fun um, to have in a villain. And he's like, don't fuck with my crazy girlfriend. And she's like, oh, Miss Edith is talking to me. And it's great. <laughs> yeah, you well, you said that you mentioned earlier, like Spike seems like off the rocker or whatever, but like, it, and then his, I just love evil married people or like evil yeah. people who are in love. It's like this is such a fun dynamic to have it be like not just some random like British dude who, but like the random British dude and his girlfriend slash wife of several hundred years who like something's going wrong, but also she's psychic and like we don't really know everything yet. Yeah, I met you. Mike, you mentioned your friend Olivia, which is funny because I watched this episode with my friend Olivia. Um, and she's like uh loves like creepy dolls uh and like flowy dresses, and she's a Buffy fan, so we're like she's like Drusilla is my girl. So it was very fun to watch with a certified Drusilla stan. Wow. I also want to interrogate this amongst my like amongst the fandom and maybe myself, but as we watched the episode and the character of Spike was introduced, I was like oh, I have heard of, like, the character Spike mm. in the culture before. But to me, Drusilla had more, I was had more questions about her. Like, I wanted to learn more about her. So, mm -hmm. wondering why she's not more talked about in the fandom. I think you know. Uh, I think it's called I think I do. I think I do know why, but 
I'm going to start it now. This is a Drusilla fan pod. Love that take. It's Love a, I did the, the take. I remember the same thing happened when I started Buffy. I was like, I've heard of Spike, but who's this? But why are we talking about her? Why am I talking about Drusilla? Um, she's the moment. We love her. Yeah, she's a queen. Um, just the, the, we've never seen a vampire in bed. We've never seen a vampire in like a long, flowy white dress. She, mm -hmm. she, it's like you can't. I can't even. I don't even know what she even said in any of her <laughs> scenes. But they, they were all captivating and really made you think. It really made you think. She was like Spike. I love her. <laughs> I love um, her Cockney ass accents. It's really fun. Yeah, they are amazing. The, the, this episode is primarily focused around the parent-teacher conference of the school, which we noticed did last six hours. Uh, <laughs> which they they showed a changing of Joyce arrived at the school at one point, and they showed a clock, and it was like three fifteen, and then they like uh, cross dissolved, and it was nine forty-five, and it was just like. What in the world? Were why they would doing? I? There was a time I was like, why would she? I would rather die than stay at my child's school night for that long. But it was a long. She had to go to every teacher, I guess. Yeah, and she, that doesn't sound like she talked to any of them. Right. I mean, good on Buffy for being able to keep her mom away from all the teachers and Principal Snyder for six hours. No. And that it seems part. like in the resolution, whatever Principal Snyder said did not stick. She was like, I'm gonna yell at Buffy in front of this guy, but I don't really care. Yeah. There's this... a, a fun fact about Principal Snyder uh, is that uh, when I was 14, 15, I did this like acting workshop at UCLA over the summer and I did like a Shakespearean unit and he was teaching it. Principal Snyder, Whoa. Armin Shimmerman. He's- Quark himself? Quark himself. He was a very lovely guy, a nice man. Um, and yeah, he's like a Shakespearean actor. Like his big, he like was Richard III and was like, he just is like a big Shakespeare guy. So he's like, I'm going to teach these teens a Shakespeare workshop. But anyway, really nice. And I was like, I loved you on Buffy, even though I'm like, I hate Principal Snyder, but I love him. Yeah. Wow. He was definitely firing on all cylinders in this episode. Yeah. And I, I don't think we got him last episode. Um, I would be pro Principal Snyder being in the plot episodes and skipping the... Uh, mm. the monster of the week episodes i mean especially with the reveal at the end of the episode i know yeah. it seems like he's he's read into the plot what does he know who does he know what yeah he's working with the cops we don't yeah. love Fake that tab, you know yeah for people who are listening maybe not watching the episode just at the end we got a scene between the a police officer and principal snyder was like two lines but like it's very clear that they know about vampires or the yeah. Hellmouth, something. Yeah, they like, know the truth, it seems, in all caps. Yeah, yeah, the truth. I also do love that throughout all of Buffy, they're like, you know who are useless? Cops. And you're like, go off. True. They, But they hit, the, recently, they've been, they have been, like, arriving after everything's already happened. And they're, like, in the show, it seems like more than, like, they were before. But they're never, like, actually doing anything helpful. But it's just, like, they need, I guess it makes sense that they would arrive if somebody died at the school and they got attacked by like a gang on PCP cover story. Uh, it's just like, forgot this was part of the show. Yeah. We need that invisible girl to come back and assassinate some people. They end oh, up yeah. in that episode. <laughs> yes, Marcy. We, yeah, what, Clea Duval? Yes. Vo primarily a voiceover role for Miss <laughs> Duval, unfortunately. <laughs> early early in her career 
Yes. Um, we also got introduced to the character of Sheila in this episode in the opening scene. Uh, queen. Yeah. Queen. The she bad was, girl. She was so fun. I loved my favorite moment of Sheila was when she sees a guy and she goes, hey, meat pie, and then goes over to him. I was obsessed with that. I love hey, meat pie. Yeah. She And she's introduced having stuck a pair of shears in a teacher. Is that what it was? Mm -hmm. Um, and all she has to do is help Buffy for the parent-teacher night. Right. Okay. <laughs> and then Principal Snyder even lied, though. Like, he was like, if you do this, I won't be as hard as I could about you, like, to your parents. Maybe he could have, like, gone even harder on Buffy to Joyce, but, like, he was like, do, like, volunteer your time and then I'll be nice. But he wasn't. Hmm. He's also like, one of you will get expelled if you do worse at this. <laughs> and I will say... Well, Sheila died, so I guess that doesn't matter. But also, like, shout out to Buffy, though, who was like, Sheila's got to help me. And if I was her, I'd be like, okay, Sheila wants to be expelled. I'm going to keep doing this, you know? Uh, but mm -hmm. that's very kind of her. Um, and well, she, like, covered for Sheila. Buffy is, like, that's my homegirl. Like, Buffy is, is a good ally, I believe, to her other bad girls. Yeah. she. I mean, she needs to take the friends when she can get that's, them. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Also, we talked about it in their last scene together where she was like, I'm proud of my daughter. She thinks mother's in a crisis. She, like, protects people She and she can handle herself. And, you know, that's just Buffy, who Buffy is. Uh, mm -hmm. She'll cover for her even though she hasn't done anything to help and it seems like she's not going to at all. Yeah, that's why Buffy's our girl. Yeah, she is. But, and you know who's the, another one of our girls? Joyce. I really loved Joyce in this episode. Joyce was serving. She was moisturized. She, came she to was moisturized. Matched. Um, she did look good. And I was really noticing the dark light in this episode. Like, they've yeah. done a lot, much better job in season two of showing us what's going on, even if it's, like, night. Okay, we know it's not actually nighttime. Just, like, show us what's going on. I need to see Joyce's <laughs> face. And they, were, they did a much better job in this episode. Yeah, she was well lit. Um... Everyone was commenting on it. Um, yeah, Joyce was great. Um, it seems like her and Buffy are making a lot of great strides in their relationship. Uh, Joyce is starting to maybe see her as someone who could take care of herself and really growing into adulthood. Um, and they got to fight together. Yeah. Yeah, also, like mother, like, like daughter. Joyce Joyce was the one who sent Spike packing, uh, which also in the moment I was like, yeah, but then I was like, he probably could have taken them both. But um... there was there were multiple times in this episode where it's like, this does not logically make sense, but I'm letting it slide. Yeah. Uh, like at the end of the bronze fight where Buff, Spike was like, I'm a Spike and then just walked off and Buffy just like let him walk off. <laughs> Yeah, and it was like it was so funny. Like at the end of the school, when like she, he's on top of Buffy, like attacking her, and then Joyce hits him with a metal thing or like a wooden stick, and then he's like, ah, and then he's so spooked he runs off. And I'm like, that's a normal woman. Like she's not a slayer. You could just be like, boop. Anyway, I was winning against the slayer, but then I was like, yes, women fighting together. Go Joyce. Well, Joyce had great technique. He could tell like Buffy had gotten some sort of like fighting genes from Joyce. The way she swung that axe yeah. was like I. I could do this, but maybe he has a thing for Joyce. Well, he's like, I don't need to kill her daughter and her. Right. He likes when women smack him in the head with the side of an axe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
We don't know what he and Drasula got up to. We I, we do not. And but we it seems well, we do a little bit. When they got introduced, she like cut into his cheek oh, and right. then she licked up the blood off of him. So that seems right up there. He was very into that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like Joyce and Buffy's relationship is so vital to what makes the show work. And so getting her, I feel like she hasn't been in actual danger since like episode one. And so like bring her to the school and like having her a part of it was an excellent choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was calling out principal Snyder for being an idiot during yes. the, like the scene where they're stuck in the science room. Joyce, Joyce is good in a crisis too. Yeah. She said, my daughter said to stay put. So don't move my daughter. Who's just a normal teenage woman. She's just yeah. climbing up. She's dieharding right now, but <laughs> She's just a normal girl, and she said, "Stay." It's also it is crazy that that happened. That like, imagine you're like in a room with your mom, and you're like, "I'm gonna go up the ceiling," and she's like, "Well, I guess my daughter told me to stay here." I know, but she's uh, you know she sees something in Buffy, and she knows she's right somehow. Maybe Joyce she knows that she's the Slayer without knowing that Mm. Buffy is the Slayer. She's like, she's connected here somewhere. She's out at all hours of the night walking through a cemetery with Angel this 200 year old man there's something going on Mm -hmm. um yeah but i do feel like this episode while heavily focused on buffy and joyce's relationship and big on introducing the new characters i feel like a lot of the other character relationships take a back seat in this episode not so much i mean we get a little check in with giles and jenny like they have like they like walk off arm in arm after like surviving or whatever but i don't feel like there's a lot of like yeah i feel like It's very Buffy and Joyce plus like introducing Spike and Drew. I loved, I would have watched much more of like Willow and Cordelia trapped in that closet together. Mm -hmm, I was like, give me more of them. Also, another thing at the end of the episode, like it was like a funny gag, like, oh, they got all the vampires out of the school. Let's go home. We've done it. Like Buffy and Joyce have a nice talk. And then they like cut back to the school and like Willow and Cordelia are still trapped in the closet. And it's like, haha, funny. And then I was like, Buffy wasn't like, wait, I want to make sure Willow's okay. Like they just stayed there. But it was, it was fun. Uh, I like, I love those girls. Um, but I would have, you know, I always want more of the secondary characters who aren't Xander. <laughs> <laughs> Same. And Jumping off of that, um, and I've said this every episode of season two so far, but just loving the the integration of the secondary characters into the main cast. Like yeah. we don't see Cordelia or Jenny really until like halfway through the episode, and we get this like getting ready scene in the library of like all the Scoobies are getting their weapons ready, and you do like a pan of them all like sharpening stakes or whatever, and. The first time we saw Cordelia in that like walkthrough, I actually thought that was Buffy at first. I was like, oh, we haven't seen Cordelia at all this episode. Like she's not a part of this for whatever reason. And then it like pans to Buffy and I had to do like a double take like, oh, Cordelia's here. She's part of the group. She hangs out with them now. And I I, I like it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. They're all getting ready like- for Saturday. But then Spike is like, we're just gonna do it now. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I agree. Like, love seeing her there. Just like even like I didn't even remember what she's exactly doing to help, but like maybe she's sharpening a steak or like or she's help in Buffy while Buffy like chops up the vegetables to be like. <laughs> yeah, that was such a great. 
I love that like pan of just being like, we're all sharpening our weapons and Buffy has a big knife and it goes like down on a cucumber she's slicing. I'm like, hell yeah, that's comedy. That is intermingling the mystical with the her real personal yeah. life. I also, as I am such a Jenny calendar head, I love her. Wow. Um, whenever she shows up, also, she just is like, always looks great, first of all, serving. Um, and then she, I really like, we were talking about how like she is like, she could tell Giles to do anything and he would do it. And we only got a tiny bit of that dynamic, but even a tiny, tiny glimpse. And I'm like, I love them. <laughs> Big fan. Yeah, so, but a big thing in this episode was this prophecy or whatever that Jenny had read about online. She heard about some, through research on the net, that some big vampire thing was going to happen on Saturday. And Giles is, like, doubtful of it because it came from the internet. But, like, ultimately, he was right that she was wrong. I mean, she was right, but Spike just fucked up the dates. Don't believe everything you read online, folks. Yeah. True. Uh, or in must-steal books. I'm sure there's errors there, too. Uh, but, yeah, we're big Jenny Calendar. I'm glad we're all on the same page about Jenny and Drusilla. I feel like that those those should be the leads. I agree. I we would can, watch we that show. We can pick Giles and Xander out of the main cast. Oh, we I can love pick Giles. Angela. Whoa, whoa, what's with the Giles? Hey, I love that he's guy. Got, okay, he's getting better. He didn't start out... I didn't start out really loving him, but he's learned to support his girls here and there. Support mm -hmm. the girls. They're definitely in a better place than they were when they met. Yeah. Which is good. I wanted to bring up, I feel like we were talking about villains being like involved in the emotions of the of the plot. And I think that like Darla was the proto Spike and Drew, where like mm -hmm. we didn't get her. We she was in like two of the episodes, but like she had the whole thing with Angel, like they knew each other, and like that was so vital. And so I'm glad that they've returned to that well rather than just like having another like mystical dark evil guy. Yeah. And I think that you I'm trying not to say things uh, for the sake of Mike, but like when you find out about Darla's past in that one episode of season one, and it's like, oh, she sired Angel. And then you hear that sire word again when Angel sees Spike, and it's like, oh, they're all connected. Maybe we'll see a flashback of David Boreanaz in a tragic wig. I don't know. Maybe we won't. Um, who, who could who say? Knows? We haven't seen one to this date. Not well, yet. Well, to be so free... Well, we've seen a tragic wig, but not on him, <laughs> not on him yet. Yeah. Um, uh, I like to think that I feel like by the end of the show, you may have seen a tragic wig on most people, and I think that's really beautiful. <laughs> I think that's probably was... accurate. We'll have to keep the track uh, of the, our lead cast and who gets put in a bad wig. Yeah. There is also this moment that my friend Liv pointed out that I thought was really funny. Speaking of Angel, is like when they're in the library and talking about like, Mount Vesuvius or whatever the prophecy is um, and like Saint Vigius that's what it was um, and then like Angel comes in and was like yeah Spike I know him he's bad and then just leaves before he can give any exposition I was like bro you know him we found out later in the episode that you know him you could have like helped him out like helped out Buffy for fighting this guy but instead you're gonna like vanish mysteriously he um, needed to say more there it's like but we know that Angel does not share information 
He hates he's helping. A, he's a taker. He is not a giver. You're so right. I that guy, I'm like shut up. Whatever. I'm like no. I'm not an angel head. I like Angel the show actually. Um, I like Angel on Angel, but Angel on Buffy. I'm like I'm bored. Um, David but there's also scenes. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I come up for my friend Liv, a uh, friend of the pod. I've decided. Um, but she was like, uh, when we when that scene happens and like. Giles is like Buffy this is really dangerous and Angel comes in and Buffy's like oh hi um, and she's like does not care about the prophecy she's like Angel why weren't you at the bronze uh, and my friend Liv said she doesn't care that she's gonna die she's gonna she wants she's like come get this pussy and I'm like so true I know I love that like Angel even said something specifically about Spike he was like he's super dangerous he'll never give up and Buffy was like didn't see you at the bronze <laughs> <laughs> And don't care moving past the moving past any information about vampires and then i i do like i mean look i we every episode we're like this is a bad relationship but i like the writing that they go with in this scene where they like buffy's like has i mean i said i might be there i was being coy and angel said yeah you might you said you might go so i didn't go and then willow is like wow 200 years old like it so even if you went on two dates a year that'd still be 400 different girls <laughs> and then she's like why is it called a mace like that that's just the that is that's the show yeah willow's kind of ready to become a vampire if she can go on two 400 dates in one year or <laughs> over her lifetime i mean she could go on 400 dates in a year if she wanted i think that she could in a lifetime it that sounds like right up willow's alley yeah i feel like that's probably a better ratio than she's currently working with yeah. two dates a year <laughs> i don't think that we've really seen a lot from her romantically to this point no just the pining mm -hmm. yeah. she does have so much better she does uh but she was I, I you know she was still she was very fun in this episode she offered help with the research and she was helping buffy get ready for the parent teacher night she got a good snipe in at cordelia when cordelia when she was she told cordelia to try the lemonade uh and you know and then it all came up came back to her and she had to be stuck with cordelia i feel like it was yeah. really good stuff even in like we were saying an episode where she's not the focus mm -hmm. yeah really good good lemonade bit with like Buffy made bad lemonade and Willow's like, oh no, this is good. And she's like, no, Joyce, you don't have time to try the lemonade. And then she's like, Cordelia, try the lemonade. I was like, Willow is working with this lemonade bit. There was also a scene at the beginning of the episode where like Buffy and Willow like both told Xander off like back to back and then like left him just standing there looking like an idiot yes. and continuing the trend of the girls kind of just tolerating him he jinxed that something bad was gonna happen yeah. and they yeah. were pissed and they were like bye and they were right yeah uh are there any other major thoughts from this episode that we need to get into um i thought i well i will say i felt like you know the back half of the episode is a like extended action sequence but i felt like it really went i feel like they did a really good job uh mixing character moments in with the like fighting or like the crawling or any of that kind of stuff where it's just sort of like characters moving from place to place i felt like uh they've struggled with that in the past and i feel like even though it was a full huge part of the episode i didn't it didn't crawl at any point for me yeah i thought it was really well paced um like the way you're we're saying like the way they jump between different characters and like you were getting more like info it wasn't just fighting like 
Spike was like, all these vampires are idiots, which like was leading up to the ending of him killing the anointed one. And then like, you got that tidbit about like Spike and Angel and you got Joyce's development of being like, oh, I don't like Principal Snyder and like Buffy is competent. So I feel like it was like action, like fighty, we're trapped in a school, but like a lot of character and emotion stuff were like peppered in. So it worked really well. Agreed. It's best, even with characters we don't like, we because Xander and Angel hate each other, obviously, but mm -hmm. they, they even had fun stuff where Angel was using him in the ruse to like get at Spike. And then, I mean, we talked about this with Derek on the episode, but the queer codedness of Xander and Angel, and now Spike is in on it where they were all like going to be involved in like the biting. It's like, what can we read into there? Yeah, I, mean, I, had a, I had a note that was like Spike and it just says Spike and Angel speed, feeding off Xander gay. Um, so what you said, <laughs> but less eloquent. But yeah, no, I feel like it's the uh, like having Xander's bare neck and like these two old friends from we don't really know how, like being like, are we going to eat this man together to prove that our bond is still intact? Like that's very gay of them. They've definitely fucked. Oh, for sure. I, I we've talked about it many times. Yeah. Immortal people, come on! But mm -hmm. I just wanted to to put it down on record. They have fucked. I I love the record, and I co-sign the record. Yeah. I feel like there there was some good Cordelia Buffy stuff too. I really really ship Cordelia and Buffy. I really think that they're in love. Wow, um, love that. You know, and I remember this from an episode of. Uh, full house as a child and it's like Cordelia meets Buffy's mom for the first time and I remember at one point on full house they were like hey you meet uh, the mom you see what your wife's gonna look like in 20 years 15 years or whatever uh, and you know Buffy uh, you know Cordelia was love she liked what she saw yeah yeah she said she that's a woman who knows how to moisturize <laughs> and she's right I also want to pour Another one out for Sheila. I feel mm -hmm. like we haven't given her 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 flowers on this pod. She was iconic. She had some great lines. She loves a cad. She's said, I'm <laughs> crazy about a cad. And I was like, yeah. I'm obsessed with that line. The leather just makes me want to, where did they go? <laughs> um, she's stabbing her teachers with scissors or like garden shears. Um she seemed like she was really into being a vampire for the short time that she was. Mm -hmm. Did we see her die or did she just get knocked out? I can't, I do not recall, honestly, if she was attacked, if they attacked or she ran away. She was like tied up in Spike and Drew's lair. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then she was like, he's like, eat something. And then like Drew, I don't know if we saw the bite, but we know that like Drew's going to be feeding off of yes. her. But so when we, we see know her again, if we're Buffy like... poofed her. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. Oops. Maybe she'll be back. Uh, but yeah, I feel like they introduced three incredible antagonists in this episode, and only two made it. Sheila wasn't really an antagonist, though. She was just kind of like the bad girl that nobody understood. And she she's she was going moving through life so fast. She wanted and then she died. She wanted it over. She was yeah. done with high school. Same. I'm I'm on Team Sheila. Do it. And, and hey, if Joyce was her mom, I'm sure she'd say, hey, do whatever you want. Yeah. And I think <laughs> that sort of gets at a lot of what we've been talking about on this pod is like creating compelling antagonists. Um, she seemed interesting, way more interesting than the master or the anointed one. So they made her a vampire and 
I think they need to fill out that roster. Yes. I would love more like just recurring people. They don't have to be in every episode. Just like I, it's so clear that they're able to find great actors to play dynamic characters. Just we want more. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Buffy does a good job. Like as the seasons progress, they do a good job of those kind of like recurring characters of like some kid you see at the school and then you're like, Oh, I see this one kid a lot. Um, but they're never going to be like a willow or whatever. Um, but they're fun. I love them. Could have been Sheila rip. Yeah. Another one I thing I want to comment on is back to the, the spike and angel conversation. Um, did we find out more about how spike knows that angel wasn't on his side? Like, is that just known in the vampire community that angel like turned on them or is like, has a conscious now or. It seemed like they were aware, like, it seemed like the people who in season one, like the order of Aurelius uh, knew that Angel had like, was no longer feeding on humans. And like in Giles's text, they just knew that he had stopped like a couple, mm. like a hundred years ago or whatever. But it seemed like in this episode, there, it was just kind of like Spike knew something was off. He knows Angel so well that he knows that like, this is not who, like he's not on his side. I get it now. Yeah, he knows him intimately. Yes. There's also a fun reference in that scene where he's like, are you doing, like he said something about like Angel doing the old Anne Rice, or it's like they fall for that old Anne Rice routine. And I was like, great reference. Also, like if you bring it back to the queer subtext, it's very funny to make that comparison, given that Interview of the Vampire is so gay, especially like the new one. It's just like, and like, yeah, remember, like if you're like a broody vampire, like calling out that Angel is very, interview the vampire like when I'm sad all the time from a character like Spike is very fun. I have no experience with uh, interview with the vampire. So you'd have to fill us in a little more. Okay. Uh, it is was a book. Um, I don't know that much, but it's a book from a few decades ago. And uh, that was like about this vampire who's like bitten and, and it becomes a vampire, but he's like kind of a sad boy about like very angel. His name is Louis. And he's like, um, sad and like the guy who sires him is this guy named Lestat who's like but you should be have fun being a vampire and then more things happen but I don't remember um, there are a bunch of sequels and then there's a movie they made with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise in the 90s where Brad Pitt was a sad boy vampire and Tom Cruise was like Lestat his evil sire and basically in the book there's like hella gay subtext but they kind of took it out in the movie but also Classic. Anne Rice was like weird about it someone's gonna like a scholar's gonna listen to this and be like she's wrong because I do not know that much but like Anne Rice was like I think I don't know if she was like actively homophobic but she like tried to sue people who wrote fan fiction about them and was like it's like girl because they're like making a gay and so it's very funny because then she died like last year and then they made this new tv show very funny Empire, <laughs> um rip uh but anyway not really I feel about Anne Rice like Mike feels about the anointed one like it's fine um but <laughs> So the rights are available and they made this new interview with the vampire series that's like, like they fuck, like it's very gay. Mm. And so it's just really funny that it's like, okay, like this woman who is like, I'm suing over fan fiction of making my vampires gay, even though they're like, the, the book is like so queer, like it's, it's very sexual. Uh, but like, anyway, so in the new show, they have sex uh, and they're gay and they're, it's fun. Um, very cool. Fantasy writers from the 90s and before hate fan fiction. It's like, yeah. get over the it. <laughs> You've got millions book. and millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? This is yeah. a, a love letter to your characters. Right. Or They're whatever. no trying to make money know. off of the fan fiction. They're just like, these vampires should fuck, and I'm going to write about it. And let them. 
let them <laughs> didn't um what was it 50 shades of gray was fan fiction that yeah, was twilight fan fiction yes it's Another all vampires i think are the most popular creatures in fan fiction i don't know if this is true but i feel like like buffy fan fiction interview with a vampire like twilight fan fiction became 50 shades of gray like the girlies love their vampires they're definitely i would if i were to write fan fiction about a human monster relationship it would be hard for me to stick like i couldn't not put vampires in that kind of text you know yeah who's the human and who's the monster two dudes i'll tell you that much yeah. <laughs> of you of your relationship who's the human mm. and who's the monster i feel like you're the vampire in this relationship I was, you're like bringing me into the the dark side of buffy i was also yeah. going to cast myself as the monster <laughs> <laughs> how about your how about yours between you and emily oh uh, emily not on the she's the vampire uh but i that's a compliment because like i feel like i'm i was very I used to be very like non-confrontational was like, I don't want to like, you know, like couldn't stand up for myself. And Emily's very like, girl, you gotta, you know, stand up for yourself and like, you can fight, like you can have an argument and it's okay. And that won't be bad. And I was like, oh my God, you're so right. So I feel like she helped me like come into myself and not just be like wimpy. Um, so like a positive vampire. Love that. I like Angel. Angel's well, a positive vampire. Okay, don't be rude to my girlfriend. <laughs> um, uh yeah that, i mean lovely sounds like you know i'll have a lot more to talk now that i know that i'm talking to a fellow monster i'll be like we can... yeah a monster we're also both like the buffy fans in our relationship um mm -hmm. wait no i'm not a monster she is i forgot right. who i cast <laughs> totally fine uh we don't have fan fiction here today with us but hey maybe we'll do a special episode in the future where we write some fan fiction that could be Whoa. fun um but we do you know i did come up in the fan communities of Buffy the vampire slayer so every episode we do bring in some fan analysis from another perspective from somebody out online and if you want to drop us your own fan analysis you can always write in our mailbox uh the link is on our twitter to just send us a message and if you have thoughts on the show maybe we'll read it here but for now we have uh this comes to us from a tumblr user molly speak who says tv is so rarely used as an image in buffy but when it is oh boy do they go hell for leather with the meta of it in prophecy girl after the massacre in the high school there's a bloody handprint on the tv screen still playing a three little pigs cartoon reflecting the inf the infringement of a darker blend of violence in the high school uh moving to this episode and then we get the second major tv instance in school hard when spike and drizzle come in and basically redefine what it means to be a villain in this show the end the episode ends by spike saying shall we see what's on tv and man is it pointed he's breaking the fourth wall he's saying yes hello we're your new brand of villains we're changing what you see on your tv screen just as the monster of the week format is essentially done away with once more the tv is something to be desecrated in buffy only to be rewritten with a new kind of horror for us and then in the tags on tumblr very important tumblr culture culture is <laughs> a thank you at juliet says 999 for chatting this out mid-episode watch before we comment on what they actually said completely disagree that the monster of the week format is over there are yeah, many like, more monster of the week episodes <laughs> I, I don't understand where that came from but i agree i feel like that we've referenced that like it's a completely new kind of villain for the show uh and they do it stunningly yeah and i think that like the tumblr user made a great point of pointing out the line that like let's see what's on tv because it's like they're like us like they are i think that that they're mod like obviously they're old vampires and drusilla is like 
ancient and creepy, but like they're like, let's see what's on TV. Like they are not like some ancient master who won't get Buffy's tricks, you know, like they are on her level in terms of being like smart and modern and thinking and like, ooh, -hoo -hoo, what's going to happen with that? Yeah, at no point in season one was the master doing like the witty i mean he did like some witty stuff but he wasn't like referencing woodstock he wasn't like making these same kinds of jokes that the cast is making which is which is like spike's full thing like he's very much a part of the like dialogue and the language of the show also just want to reference do recognize that there is an ice cream truck behind us in uh, on the street downstairs don't know if it's picking up on the mic but just wanted to say and we'll try to mute the mic when we're not talking i can't hear an ice cream truck uh if that helps. That is very helpful to me to yeah, know. That's good. We'll see if it ends up in the final cut. Hey, yeah, I mean, there's not much I can do about it if it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, new villains. Uh, I love the note that they said about breaking the fourth wall. I uh, would never have thought about it like that. Um, and yeah, I feel because we even saw the TV, like when Drusilla was in her room, it was like on a fuzzy like just one of those gray fuzzy TV things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much all. If, if anybody has any more thoughts on the episode before we get into the segments, now would be the time to do so. I'm excited to get into the segments. Let's segment. Great. Okay, so first up, we've got biggest slay. Reina, what was the moment of the episode that made you go slay? Uh, it was, this is a classic, but when Joyce had the axe and she said, get the hell away from my daughter, I was like, slay! Like, that was it. That was the slay of the episode, uh, from my perspective. Completely love that moment. It's very, uh, you know, not to reference the turf, but not my daughter. Or get away from my daughter, you bitch. Molly yeah. Weasley, one of the biggest. But this moments. came first. Mm -hmm. Oh, far first. At first, I thought you were saying Molly Weasley is a turf. Well, I mean, who knows? We don't know. <laughs> she could be. But we know who isn't is Joyce. Yeah, I feel like Joyce. <laughs> I, and hey, I'm. I can guarantee you that there are trans readings of Buffy. Uh, and may, hey, maybe I'll pull one out for next week. Who knows? Yeah. We'll find Go out. Go back to the depths of Tumblr.com. You know they are there. Yes. Um, Mike, how about you? Biggest, uh, biggest slay. I'm gonna go with the second biggest slay because Reina, I think, got the the clear number one for the episode, but. Clear in the decks, goodbye, anointed one, <laughs> and the rest of that little vampire pod. They're gone. Spike and Drusilla are here to stay, hopefully. Um, and that made me go slay. Because I didn't even know what they were really doing with the anointed one at the end. I'm like, are they just going to lock him up? Are they, like, putting him in timeout? But no, Spike is over it. He is no problem killing children. It is a little confusing. because, And I remember the first time I watched the show... It was not tracking for me that the anointed one was also a vampire. Like yeah, I didn't same. understand I that like... he is a vampire in the same way that they all are. And so, like when he got, I was, that's how I found out. Like he got pulled up into the sunlight. I was like, oh, okay. I guess he was. I guess he was a vampire. <laughs> yeah, same. I was like, I thought he was just like some like mystical being that the vampires worship. But then when he got burned, I was like, okay, guess he's a vampire. Bye. Speaking of the Anointed One, I do have a fun fact uh, from the uh, BuffyFandom.com about the Anointed One. And he says the show's creators have stated in interviews that Spike kills the Anointed One because Andrew J. Furchland, who plays the Anointed One, had grown significantly over the summer hiatus, which contradicted the established doctrine that vampires do not age. Uh, and then because of his growth, 
spurt, he was seated for most of his scenes in season two. And then following that, it's it immediately says citation needed. They do not know where this is from. Somebody could have just said it. There's no nobody knows, nobody has a reference for it. Um, which was very interesting to me. Uh bizarre. Sam, what was your biggest oh, man. You guys took huge moments. Mine I loved this like one second shot where Buffy is walking down the hallway with the stake and we see her silhouetted up against the wall and she, you know, she looks it you it's a perfect silhouette. She's holding the stake. She's walking across like her she her hair look it's so distinctly Buffy. And I was like, hey, that's that's that's, that's, that's cinematography. Uh it was awesome. Moving on. Fashion moment, Reina, what are you spotlighting this week fashion wise? Uh, Fashion-wise, there's a scene where Buffy and Willow are painting a banner, um, and Buffy is wearing, like, these overalls over a tie-dye shirt, and I'm like, that is so cute. Like, I think it's interesting, like, Y2K fashion, a lot of times I'm like, she looks great, Uh, and a lot of times I'm like, that outfit is bad, and a lot of times, but it's rarely I'm like, I would wear that outfit, but because Buffy is a style icon, and I'm just a person, you know, but... I would wear that overalls outfit. And I also appreciate Willow in that scene was wearing a shirt with Scooby-Doo on it, which was very self-referential and meta because they are known as the Scooby gang. Um, And I thought that was very cute too. And I also like Willow's in her little t-shirt. Like, I feel like that's her little um, era. But anyway, that scene, I was like, both of these girls look amazing in their cute little outfits. I love that. Mike, how about you? Uh, Reyna, she she's pulling the good references I'm from the sorry. episode. But I, I non-monsters on the same page. <laughs> um, in the opening scene in Principal Snyder's office when he's giving Buffy and Sheila the talking down to, I thought Sheila looked great. I thought the, the costuming on her really established her as like the alt bad girl at the school. She had like kind of a, a an interesting statement necklace choker going on. Um Another sort of costuming prop scene um, in the same one Raina mentioned where they're painting, getting ready for the um, the student teacher night or the parent teacher night. Buffy had one of the paintbrushes like stuck in her ponytail bun that she had going on in her hair, um, which I thought was an, a, a cool touch. So true. She, everyone looked good. I feel like so far through season two, there's not as noticeable fashion stuff. Like, I feel like I had to remind myself to, like, look for something to talk about in this scene. Whereas I feel like in season one, it's, like, every episode, there's, like, literally, what the fuck is that? Like, why? It's, like, so distinct. They're, like, and not even in a bad way all the time, but it's just, like, they're really, they were really making, like, bold choices, I felt like, in season one. And so here I'm, like, looking and, like, finding stuff. I did really like Buffy's skirt with the flower on the front that was that was cute and then Cordelia, Cordelia looked incredible <laughs> like at, at, at student at parent she teacher night me. like unbelievable dress she looked amazing loved her she she always lives and I feel like she because we, we were talking about her bangs in the beginning of the season but I feel like she's less she doesn't have them anymore they, they were there in the second episode um but I, I think her hair was like pulled up mm. for the whole time. Yeah, like tonight. a bun situation. Yeah, she looked great. She looked so good. I love her. Big same. 
Um, moving on to Xander slander. Raina, what was the worst Xander moment of the episode? Um, I first of all, Happy to Report was a pretty Xander light episode, which was great. Um, when we were watching, Liv was like, "I'm already sick of him." He started talking at the beginning. Um, but my Xander slander is like a really small moment. Is like when they're at the bronze and um, Buffy is fighting a vampire in the alley. And Xander runs inside to get a steak and he's going through her bag and he's like, that's not it, that's not it. And like he pulls up a tampon and is like, ugh, and then like drops it. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, um, I hated that moment because I was like, it's like classic Xander, like he's a man sees a tampon and is like, ugh, can't touch that. And I was like, duh, shut up, Xander. So that was it. That was my Xander slander moment. Yeah, that was stupid. Like, and obviously this was made in like 1997, 1998. And it's like, that was the humor or whatever. But it's like, dude, you're the worst. And they made another period joke at the end when Cordelia was like praying, like her jokey praying. She's like, I won't be a bitch to anyone unless it's mm -hmm. my time of the month because who <laughs> can like hold hold that against me sort of thing. Um, And it, that felt like a a Joss Whedon written line. Yeah, can you guys believe two men were the creators <laughs> of the story of this episode? They said, you know what's hilarious? Women getting their periods, they turn into bitches. <laughs> uh, Mike Sander moment? Xander yeah, uh, not, much to, not much to say um, on the Xander front. Um, the only thing I wanted to note was when the vampires attacked the school and they all like sort of broke off to go to their various hiding places. He's in the library with Giles and Jenny and they're like, Jander, like you need to go like get out and find Angel um, or like go get help. And he's like, I can't, I won't go anywhere until I know Buffy and Willow are safe. Like don't, don't send me anywhere. And it was just like, He's just not contributing to the team. I'm like, Xander, what are you going to do? Yeah, it doesn't seem like he ever wants to help out, never wants to do research, can't fight anybody. I feel like he he's not bringing anything to the table. Cordelia is doing more than him at this point. Cosign. And, and I do like that. It, even like they don't focus on this very much, but... There's this there's a shot where Xander's like fighting someone outside and then Angel like saves Xander's life. So if Xander hadn't got Angel, Xander would be dead right now. It's like you're an idiot, man. Like just do what Giles says. Did you have a worse? Xander yes. Moment? And you guys have touched on that. Both that it was a Xander light episode and he didn't do that much. It's not as disastrously wrong as he normally does. Um, but there were still things that you talked about. And as Raina was going through. She was like, and there's that thing at the bronze. And then I like started nodding my head. And then you talked about something else. I was like, I don't know where. And then I like, there were there were multiple things in the bronze where I was bothered by him. Just like Buffy and Willow are like studying French at the bronze. It's like, that's not a good idea. But like they are <laughs> actively doing work and like trying to learn the language of French for test. And Xander comes over. He's like, hey, you're leaving me all alone out there on the dance floor. Like, come. It's been like 10 minutes since you like last took a break. Take another break. It's like. Buffy needs to ace this test. Yeah. Get out of there. Anyway, final segment. She slayed. Reyna, who is your favorite character of the episode? Uh, she slayed. Um, I'm going to say, this is a really basic answer, but I'm going to say Spike. Like, he, she slayed. Like, she, this episode was about her. That iconic shot where he drives in and the Sunnydale sign crashes down he steps out and he smokes a cigarette like 
that's he he slayed like he was created such a fun dynamic force and also drusilla but i assume that someone else might talk about her so i'm not gonna take her um but i just think like he was the slay of the episode and like the introduction of them and being everything we've talked about how like new new year new villains and like this is someone who is fun and this is someone who's gonna shake things up and you're gonna like watch him do it and yeah so the slay for me she's late Mike, Slayer. favorite character of the episode? Well, Reyna touched on it. Thought I thought somebody might say it, but I'm gonna say Drusilla. She was so interesting. I was so into her. Um, I I have like a million questions. I feel like I don't do this very often after watching this show, but I'm like immediately just want to go to her Wikipedia page and read everything about her. Um <laughs> and I, I kind of got I get the sense that she is sort of the leader in the her and spike relationship or maybe like he looks to her to like make decisions and he's he like clearly is taking care of her and making sure that she like stays well fed and rested and is ready to slay so she slayed she was awesome and for mine i gotta go with joyce joyce was awesome in this episode uh, her actor is incredible. Blanking on her name right now, I'm. I feel Christine Sutherland. Yes, she is giving, and they've just come so far in the last fifteen episodes. Like they were so different back then, and now, like, but we've like it's all tracked. Like it's they never like instantly are like on this new level of like randomly like we're close. Like I feel like they've done it so slowly, and now they have this big moment where Joyce is finally a part of the frenzy and like understands where about like what Buffy's life is like in this like tiny way. And so now she has this new appreciation for her daughter. And like, I feel like I love any like familial relationship, especially between women, sisters, mother, daughter, grandmother, like any of that kind of stuff in, in TV and books. Like that is what I absolutely adore. And so I feel like they did a really nice job with Joyce here. Like I was saying before, she's like the second character it, like of the humans in this episode. Like she is the deuteragonist. Uh, she is the the primary bond we're caring about in this episode. And she did an amazing job and I love her. She slayed. She slayed. She slayed. Um, this is where we would read a five-star review uh, on on for our, for our podcast if there was one left to us uh, to read, uh, which we don't have right now, but we'd love it if you did on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can't leave a, a written review on Spotify, but you can always leave us a five-star review there. Um, before we get into plugs and stuff, there is a very special segment, one time only. Um, well, we've done 15 episodes of the show, and I know, yes, it's a very, it's like you look at it, you're like, wait, but season one is 12 episodes, so why would he pick 15? Uh, and here we are. This season two, episode three could be the final episode of the show. Um, Mike, give us some thoughts. Don't tell us right away, but just, you know, to, to walk us through your thought process, and then you can let us know if we will be continuing on with Buffy Boyfriends. Yeah, so this has been, you know, an interesting process, you know, learning to to pick up one of your beloved hobbies and learning how to podcast and learning how to love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, I feel like I don't watch TV in a, like, week-to-week -week basis very often, so this has been you know, a relearning for me and, and how to consume that type of content. Um, you know, there's been some highs, there's been some lows, there's been some mids, there's been a lot of character choices that I don't agree with. They, there's been a lot of highlighting of characters that I wish they would just kill off. <laughs> um, but I think 
I think, and I, I'm, you know, almost all the way there in my decision. I think we have to keep going. Oh my gosh, we got renewed. Wow, congratulations. There's still, you know, there's still like a week and a half before this episode is released. So I can, you know, I can go back on this decision. We can edit, True. we can edit the episode, but, you know, if only to learn more about Drusilla. And I'll say if they kill her off in the first scene of next episode, Okay, that's fair. I don't know. I, I don't know. A fair stipulation. I don't know that I can survive that, or that this podcast could. You'd be done. Yeah, I'd be killed. <laughs> your heart is connected to her. If she was gone, yeah, you'd be over. You're, yeah. you're in a way a spike to her, and how much you're devoted to her. Yeah, I mean, they, these writers, they, they have a way of writing the these great secondary female characters that yeah. you just wish they would give more screen time to. There is, there's something about, dare I say, the brunette women of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that I would die for them. I would also die for the blonde and redheaded women. I would die for every woman on Buffy the Vampire Slayer now that I think about it. Her color be damned. But when they introduce a brunette woman, you know she is going to be an incredible force, an incredible feat. While I'm here, uh, totally not related at all, if you do make it to season three and another brunette woman shows up, please get me back on the podcast. Sure. Yes, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, we we will discuss uh, the the next episode. You'll be back on. Uh, it, and I'm I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that we are, got to this point. I'm glad that we you know like you said there was a learning curve and there we're still figuring stuff out. Uh, I feel like we're in a really good place with the show currently. I feel like we found a good format that works for us and just like very we've worked out a lot of the issues. Uh and I feel like we're gonna just keep slaying and doing amazing podcasts. Yeah, we've got segments, we've got flow, we've got a rotating guest sort of like the the secondary cast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We've got our rotating cast of uh performers on the mm -hmm. show. Yeah, a lot of brunette women. <laughs> and, and many more where that came from. <laughs> I realize now uh, I did forget to reference who the bronze band was on this episode uh, and just wanted to say this was the band Nickel and they played the song 1000 Nights. Uh, don't really, I can't, I, and it, I did listen to the Chiba Motto album that uh, they talked about in a previous episode and that was good, but I have not explored Nickel yet. Um, and I, and I recognize that this, this is the weird last thing to talk about on the podcast before we go into plugs, but I forgot. I think that's okay. Yeah, I think that's okay. They Nickel didn't make that much of an impression on me, so. Yeah. Me neither. It honestly made me think of other bands at the Bronze uh, and not Nickel themselves. Like, I was like, oh, remember when XYZ played? Um, so, sorry to Nickel. Sorry to Nickel. Final fun fact. There are four episodes on Wikipedia of season two that do not have a Wikipedia article just dedicated to that episode itself. This is one of them, randomly. Very strange choice. I'm like, this is one of the... <laughs> it's, it's like, there's so much you could write a Wikipedia this article like, about in this episode. I feel like it was a very significant episode in <laughs> season know. two. That's facet. Wikipedia, well, you're going to have to go in there and make an article. Someone will be doing that. You know, I love Wikipedia and love fandom wikis and all that kind of stuff. Never edited one, never been a part of that sort of community, but I love that other people do and I love that they exist. Any final thoughts before we plug? Great episode, big fan, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm into it. Um, I, I Into it enough that I'm, I'm ready to keep going. 
Me too, honestly. <laughs> I, I, I liked it enough that I'm excited for the next one. It won't. The next episode, I'm oh, going to yeah. say it, it doesn't look very good. It looks like it's going to be, uh, it, it could be in the running for worst episode, just based on the title and the, the little log that I saw before we pressed play on episode three. Yeah. This, uh, Episode, I'm gonna say it, it. It looks problematic. Episode it, four is titled is. "Inca Money," "Inca Mummy Girl." Um, and, yeah. and, and we won't. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> yeah, have fun. Um, Reina, thank you so much for being here. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Um, yeah, hi, thank you for having me. If you're in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area, um, come. I do a lot of improv shows, and they're very fun. I do what's former former guest alex conti we have a little duo um anyway follow me on instagram at it's reina ingman to find out about those or also just be like mm, she looks cute in this picture um but yeah i think that's it slay mike anything you want to plug we are at buffy boyfriends on twitter um where you can see all of our fashion moments for the week um big slay there um I think Sam already mentioned this. We are on all podcast apps. So leave us, rate, review us, give us five stars, give us something to talk about. Um, if you are my friend in real life, you can tell me feedback in person and we will we will say it <laughs> on the pod. On the show. Uh, and I'm at Flawless Lawless on Instagram. I've been getting a lot of like very random follows, uh, follow requests for the last week. Uh, I don't think it's from this podcast. I think it's just weird synchronicity in my life because sometimes that just happens where you get a lot of robots following you on Instagram. There's a big bot, big bot resurgence at the moment. Stop liking my stories. Yeah, stop <laughs> it. Stop I, it, I it girls. Sam, do you have anything that you want to plug? You can follow me at Sam Stanish everywhere. Uh, Instagram primarily would love to get rid of these twitter days uh and you go but i hey if i ever do get delete my twitter account you know my show will still be up there on twitter and i'll be tweeting from those accounts uh so you can follow my other podcast bitter jurors pod on instagram and twitter where we talk about survivor coming back march 1st which means the cast will probably drop in the next like two weeks and we'll be firing on all cylinders till may i'm really talking about cylinders today um that's everything i got going on as far as i can think for the next little bit here yep okay um yeah follow me and follow my pods and follow mike and follow right now slay slay um bye everyone bye bye